Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Chris Corlecker, uh, co-founder of Equibit.org, E-Q-U-I-B-I-T.org. And uh, before I introduce Chris, you may be hearing chimes in the background. Chris is near a bell tower in Toronto. He's not on a merry-go-round. He's not playing with a mobile in his crib, uh, but it's, it's creating some background noise. So, Chris, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. The, uh, the merry-go-round is uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> So can you um, just tell folks what Equibit does? Yeah, well, uh, Equibit is our uh, our software product. Uh, it's going to be an open source blockchain based uh, asset network. So we it, it, we use the Bitcoin code base, and we've made a number of modifications and upgrades and enhancements to it uh, to make it suitable to operate a, a security marketplace on. Um, so we saw Bitcoin as sort of the, the, the money blockchain, um, but there are so many other kinds of intangibles that uh, that would be really good to be on a blockchain. So things like intellectual property or digital identity uh, or and, of course, security. And uh, so we wanted to build that and build a network that can handle all of the primary and secondary market relationships. So not only is it a blockchain uh, asset register, but it also has a peer-to-peer communication system, and it also has a compliance system that will allow issuers to restrict the transferability of their security. The important part about that is that, uh, of course, the securities industry is very regulated uh, unless you're issuing uh, bearer form assets. So if, uh, if you're a public stock issuer or uh, even a private stock issuer or, or debt securities as well, uh, you've got all kinds of compliance stuff to worry about. You have to know uh, you have to know who your investors are, and uh, if you're also dealing with accredited investors, you also need to know that they have some certain level of income or net worth. And mm-hmm. so the the compliance system will handle uh, enforcing these restrictions for issuers without having without them having to be online all the time. And uh, without having them to sign off on absolutely every single transaction involving their security, so we've created uh, this open system that can work globally. Uh, that can also be used to enforce whatever compliance regime, uh, or let's say you also have a shareholder agreement that you want, because we really wanted it to be the new foundation of the securities industry. Uh, and uh, so there's there, there's a lot more to say. definitions. So what are bearer instruments? That's when I, I physically have a stock certificate or a financial instrument in my, in my hand, or is there more complexity to that term? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. So a bearer instrument uh, means that the owner of it is not written on the certificate itself. So a dollar bill is a bearer instrument. Uh, so if, if you are holding a dollar bill, you are the presumed owner of that dollar bill. 
same thing can go for securities because securities, like dollar bills, are you know, traditionally just words on paper. So uh, ordinarily, they would actually have the owner's name written directly on it. Those are uh, registered public or private securities. Bearer form has no name on it. So whoever physically holds the certificate is the presumed owner. So at any given moment, an issuer of bearer bonds or bearer shares has no idea who its investors are, uh, nor does it really care. Uh, it already got the investment. And if uh, you know, well, if I'm issuing a share, for example, the, the bearer shares typically won't contain a dividend because, of course, you know, where, where do I, as the issuer, send the dividend check to? So, uh, but the nice thing about Equibit is that you could pay dividends on bearer shares if you chose to. And debt with bearer bonds works a little bit differently. Uh, you, you, if you have a bearer bond certificate, there's literally these coupons on them that you would cut off, and each coupon is an interest payment. And so the holder of that debt certificate would cut off the coupon, mail it in to the issuer, and say, hey, I'm collecting on this coupon, send the check to this address here. And uh, right. so that's where uh, you, you hear about bonds uh, uh, slipping coupons. Uh, it applied right. as much in the, the it, it actually was a term that started in the securities industry. Hmm. Interesting. So, so, so yeah, the flip kind of, uh, Go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just going to say, so the, 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 the nice thing about bearer instruments is that as an issuer, you don't have to register them and you're not necessarily, uh, you, you, they're, they're a lot easier to administer because you're not figuring out who your investors are constantly. So, but that, that, uh, that, that, that's nice on one hand, but on the flip side, uh, the, the bearer instrument industry was prone to a lot of fraud uh, because for the same reason people could just uh, counterfeit money, uh, people would counterfeit their shares or their bonds. And, and it's usually a lot easier to do that because the security features in that paper is um, not, not necessarily as advanced as what is in money. So the bearer instrument side of things has kind of fallen out of popularity. There aren't uh, most jurisdictions won't even allow a corporation to issue bearer assets anyway uh, because of the the degree of you know counterfeiting and fraud that was going on. However, now with cryptocurrencies, I think uh, you know we, that that's not necessarily a risk anymore because of course we have a permanent chain of custody uh, with the blockchain and we're using cryptography to guarantee that. Uh, everything is genuine that's on the network. So uh, it could be quite possible that we'll see a lot more companies issuing their form assets on the Equibit network than we've ever seen before. Okay. So what kind of financial instruments um, are you looking to work on first, or you are working on? Uh, What what kind of things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stocks and bonds, uh, or more broadly speaking, equity and debt. Um, because those are the foundational security products. We've got these much more uh, complicated things like uh, derivatives, so calls and put options, forwards, futures, interest rate swaps. Uh, so there's all these exotic things that are out there trading. Uh, but those, all those assets are all built on top of stocks and bonds. Uh, they're really the, your core assets in any investment portfolio. And so that's where we want to start. 
and uh, mm-hmm. that, that all of those all of those instruments are you know handled, owned by, or, or, or you know, yeah, cleared through these organizations called uh, central depositories and transfer agents. And uh, this is the underlying plumbing of the entire securities industry. And a lot of people don't know about these companies, but um, in, in essence, a uh, securities depository is the one who legally owns the the security. So if you if you have a share of Apple uh, at your brokerage, you do not actually own that share of Apple. Uh, you are a creditor of the broker, who is in turn a creditor of the transfer agent, who is in turn a creditor of the depository, probably DTCC, who is the actual who actually has title ownership of that of, of that share of Apple, uh, because it's DTCC's name that is actually on the Apple stock certificate. And so, uh, yeah, if, if you if you know anything about the banking system and how uh, money, is, for the most part, is just uh, debits and credits on balance sheet, and, and so, most of the money is actually coming out of the central bank, uh, it's a very similar system where all of the securities are owned by the central depositories, uh, and in turn, it, that is uh, you know, debited and credited out multiple times throughout a number of organizations. And you may have heard the term uh, uh, hypothecation and rehypothecation, and, and that's just a fancy word uh, for, for that system, where you know, all the brokers and the transfer agents and the exchanges, they're all, they're, they're all uh, sort of in debt to one another. And so when that system fails, we have these cascading uh, disasters like what we saw in 2008 or uh, later on with the failure of MS Global in 2011. Uh, so the system, you know, it, it, it's fine when it's working fine. But as soon as you have a problem, things get very complicated and very hard to figure out um, because it, 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 it's quite hard to figure out, you know, where the money is supposed to go, who owns what at what given time. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of these problems that can be solved by a blockchain asset register that will handle all of the securities rather than transfer agents and depositories. Because, of course, now we can do real-time settlement, and it's much easier for the investors themselves to take title to their investments, which is what we want, because that would be risk to the securities industry. Okay. Interesting. Have you heard of the uh, T zero initiative by Overstock.com, Johnson Johnson? You know they reduce settlement times of trades, and you know I've heard they put their uh, preferred stock on I don't know which blockchain, but uh, maybe on their own or some other one. Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting system. Uh, they they went after a slightly different use case, though. They were trying more to replace a stock exchange. Uh, I think uh, Pat Byrne had some beef with the New York Stock Exchange, or, and so he, he wanted to float uh, a public security without having to be on the New York Stock Exchange. So he built T0, uh, he put some overstock.com securities on it, and um, that, that, was, that, that seemed to have been kind of the end of, of that experiment, because it was the only security listed on T0, and he, nobody could actually access T0 directly. If you wanted to buy that stock, you still had to go through uh, a brokerage house is somewhere in New York. I forget the name. And, of course, Overstock.com owned all of the hashing power of the T0 network. So 
so it wasn't an open system like what Exhibit is going to be, where anybody uh, can put the Exhibit software on it, access the network, mine it, record, uh, and, and do you know, what they can do what they can do with uh, a network like Bitcoin or Ethereum. I'm very good. <clears throat> can we go more into your particular use cases? Is the customer the brokerage houses, the financial institutions, or is it more the individual? And just you know, give me some like nitty gritty details of what it will look like when fully implemented. Well, the 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 uh, the, the business case for it was to remove the need for all of those uh, those actors to rely on depositories to transfer. Um, you know, in my, I, I was the CFO of a stock brokerage uh, earlier in my career, and so dealing with all of the back office stuff, uh, I was working with uh, a number of different transfer agents, depositories, and it's a very slow-moving bureaucratic process, and it's also very expensive. So uh, a, a lot of investors, brokers, and other financial institutions have been lo- looking and waiting and hoping for something to come along that it is better, cheaper, and faster that they can use. And so that is our ultimate client. So investors, institutional investors, brokerages, stock exchanges, investment banks, pension funds, pension funds, insurance funds, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so there, there, we're going to be releasing two different apps. One is, uh, one is called Exhibit 4, which is the app that you would need to mine it. That's what sets up a full node. Um, and that's great for the more techie-oriented people who, who want to contribute to the network and, and earn rewards. But that's not necessarily everyone. Uh, well, most people, I think, just want to use it to, to conduct some transactions, uh, buy and sell, you know, do an issuance over the network, uh, stuff like that. And, and so for those users, we're building an application uh, called Portfolio. And so Portfolio is a web wallet that will allow anybody to, to go to the Portfolio website and open up a open up an account and uh, interact with the network uh, without having to run a full node. So think of it like a, just like a Bitcoin wallet like uh, OPAY or Blockchain.info uh, or any of those uh, types of applications that allow you to interact with Bitcoin, own Bitcoin, trade Bitcoin uh, without necessarily running your own node. Okay. Um, are you going to be using exclusively, I mean, using the Bitcoin protocol, you've modified it, but are you going to be anchoring it to the Bitcoin blockchain or Ethereum? Or how you, you know, how is your chain going to be interacting with other chains? Is it public, private? Can you talk more about that? Well, it's a public chain, uh, and it's its own blockchain. So it's it's not relying on Bitcoin. It's not a side chain. It's not an Ethereum contract. It's it's an open mineable blockchain, all on its own. Uh, that being said, it is interoperable with Bitcoin. So we have a process called an atomic trade that will allow two people to exchange Bitcoin for Equibits or a security that is on the Equibit system. Uh, without any intermediary or expert agent or, or someone there to stand in the middle to guarantee that the trade goes through. Uh, so we have this script, and it essentially guarantees that the trade goes through or both parties walk away with what they started with. 
So it's a very safe way for these peer-to-peer, over-the-counter exchanges to happen, um, you know, off or outside of something like a stock exchange or without you having to use some sort of intermediary to make sure that, you know, one side doesn't walk away with, you know, the money and the security. Okay. Um, what are some of the, you feel like the challenges you're facing and how long you're able to really roll this out and have it fully implemented? You know, what's your roadmap to the technology right now? Well, we finished our prototype in no, late November of last year. Uh, so after we had that kind of tested out and we figured out that, you know, we'll, we'll be able to build this, uh, and it will work as we hoped it would, uh, then we opened up a, an early version of our, uh, token crowd sale. Uh, so that ran in February, March of this year. And that allowed us to hire some more developers so we can clean up our code, uh, and build the portfolio application. So that's coming along very nicely. We've, uh, released some photos of it in an earlier uh, newsletter. And um, we're hoping to release both of those applications this summer. So we're aiming for a July release, um, but now we're hearing that, you know, there's the, the, this uh, Bit 148 thing. Um, so there might be two Bitcoins come August. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of puts a, a bit of a wrinkle in our plan. So we're, we're, we're going to have to figure out how we're going to deal with that, I think. So I... I hope that yeah, hopefully it doesn't delay us, uh, but you, know, you never know. We got to be careful with how we uh, move forward with something as important as a hard fork in Bitcoin. Well, I thought in August there was going to be the user-activated software, but you think it'll turn into a, a chain split? It, well, it, it potentially could uh, if the miners mm-hmm. refuse to go along with it. Uh, so you know, it'll start off as a soft fork, but if the miners you know, re- resist, then, you know, it'll turn, it'll go from soft fork to hard fork. At least that's my understanding of it. Okay, wow. I didn't realize that. Okay, that, you know, that is a big deal. Yeah, because the, uh, the, the SegWit blocks are not backwards compatible. Uh, so that's why, you know, this issue has become so contentious. Hmm. All right, so uh, just a couple more questions. You're in a, a niche of this blockchain, Bitcoin, distributed ledger world that few people are. So what kind of insights or pain points are you getting from the institutions that you're talking to and you know, any big surprises because you have your insight that most people don't? Well, we've been actually approached by a number of, of very large institutions, one of Canada's largest banks, one of the U.S.'s largest banks, one of the world's largest transfer agents. Uh, you know, we've had meetings at all of their offices to discuss what it is that we're working on. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely apprehensive about this. Uh, the, you know, it definitely is going to, uh, you know, upset the Apple cart in one way or the other. Uh, particularly if, you know, the only part of your business is running a transfer agency or, or you are a security repository and you don't have other lines of business. Uh, so that, that being said, though, there are ways for these organizations to adapt and change, uh, to, you know, the new Equibit environment. Um, so I mentioned our compliance system, and uh, that's where I see a lot of those organizations evolving because if uh, if you have a large network of issuers and investors, uh, then that then you're the perfect candidate for becoming one of uh, the, uh, a, a kind of a community builder on the Equibit network. So 
the way the restrictions work, uh, think of it a lot like your Facebook post visibility. So if I'm making posts on Facebook, uh, you know, I, the, the most restricted thing I can do is send a private message to one person. Uh, but then the next step up is I can let all of my friends see my posts. And if I want to expand that sphere even greater, I can do friends of my friends. And, and then of course the largest group I, I can expose my profile and my posts to is the, the whole public. So our restriction system works a lot in the same way. So the, the highest level of restriction is level three, and that's a lot like a private message. So I, as the issuer, I send you some securities, and that's it. You can't do anything with them. You can't send them to somebody else. The only person you can send them to is back to me. Uh, if I knock that down to level two, now I can create a group. Uh, so this is like my group of friends, and those friends can trade amongst themselves as much as they want uh, without any without running into a roadblock. Uh, that puts the onus on the issuer to do all of the KYC on all of those people. So maybe I don't have the resources to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop it down to level one, uh, which is a lot like friends of my friends. So in a level one situation, my friends are going to be uh, lawyers and brokers or accountants or people who can do that due diligence that I need done. Uh, and then in turn, those, the, the people that they are friends of, I guess, or the people who have passed that due diligence, those people then become eligible to obtain my security. Uh, so that is a, a really important thing for us, particularly for the private hmm. capital market, because it's going to allow issuers to very quickly and very easily set up networks of eligible investors that can buy into their company. Because uh, that's really, really, really right now, that's a huge problem. It's hard finding private companies that are, you know, available for sale. It's hard setting up a secondary network uh, of uh, buyers for your securities. And so Equibit really tackles that problem uh, in a really, really good way. And uh, so we really think that that's probably where a lot of the, the early adopters are going to be coming from, is from that corner of the industry, simply because, you know, it's so opaque. Uh, transaction costs are so high, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and of course, um, you know, the, you can do a public post on Facebook, and that would be uh, not using the restriction system at all. Uh, and we're back to talking about bear securities again, which can just they, they just float all over the network wherever they may go, uh, wherever anybody wants to send them, and that's fine. That's how in bear form assets work. Hmm. <laughs> you want to address and how can folks and institutions find out more about Equibit and start up conversations with you? Uh, yeah, they can find us at uh, Equibit.org uh, and uh, they, they can check out the team page. Uh, we've got all the members of our team and our emails and LinkedIn contacts are all there. Okay. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate you coming and uh, hopefully the merry-go-round is stopped and you're not busy. It sounds like it's quiet. <laughs> You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, 
virtual reality, and more.